Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Amen. Have you ever given someone the silent treatment? All right, truth. How many people right now are you giving someone the silent treatment? Yeah. The, <laughs> the silent treatment. When I was a kid growing up, if like one of our friends had done something we didn't like, right? You'd get together with your other buddies and say, you know what? Man, Joey's on the out. I can't believe he did that. Let's just not talk to him. And then you would create this powerful war offensive of silence. And that silence, if you've ever been on the other end of a silent treatment, it's brutal. How many, right? Have you been on the end, the, the raw, the receiving end of the silent treatment? It's rough. It's like cutting off your oxygen. And it just, I mean, some people just get indignant. They're like, I don't want to talk to them anyway. I'll go find some better friends. But it hurts. Others get like, they fight and they just like, you got to talk to me and you got, and they just cause a big fuss. Listen, the silent treatment is one of the most effective ways to hurt somebody. Now, some of you are like, oh, I didn't realize that. I'm going <laughs> to, I've got some people to hurt. Shut up. I want to talk for the next seven weeks, myself and the other gifted people in this church. We're going to just do a a little series called Age to Age the Same. Age to Age the Same. And today, this morning, I want to start us off by talking about the voice of God. That God's voice, His active words to us, are age to age the same. I think if I was going to pick a verse just to kind of be the banner for these seven weeks, it's Hebrews 13, verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I, I look at that, and I, it intrigues me because Jesus Christ came late in time. There was a lot of history before Jesus appeared on earth, before the incarnation, right, which most historians, Christian historians, Put it like 4 B.C. But even before that, the voice of the Lord was speaking. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Another scripture I love is is this one found in James 1. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God is the same. The the theology books call about the immutability of God. He just doesn't change. He doesn't mutate. He doesn't act one way once and another way another time. In who he is, He is consistent through the ages. And I I think it's healthy for me, for my own heart, to look at God in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, through all the ages, and and see him working in his people. And I want to talk about the voice of God because it's very important that we see this from the very beginning. How do we know about God? How is it that we know anything that God is even there? Do you think if God gave us the silent treatment like from the beginning, we'd have any clue? It's a good question, right? I mean, many people live their lives like, I don't know if there's a God. He's never talked to me. I don't know. Maybe they're atheists. Maybe they're agnostics. Maybe you've been in this place before. You're like, how do we really know? I want to address that a bit today. There's two ways in which we know about God. And both ways are for this one reason, is that God desires to 
to reveal himself to us. That it's God's heart's desire to speak his voice into creation, into humanity, into our stories, that God's voice is coming forth to us. Not because somehow we've gotten God to do that, but God chooses and desires and loves to speak his word to you. It's even like you when you, when you have a newborn baby. And we're going to see Dan and Tori do this very soon. Maybe even before that, we're going to see Cam and Megan do that, right? I, don't, I haven't heard any words. Is, is the baby here yet? Oh, you're still here. There you are. Oh, I was, I was really excited. I'm, I'm still excited. Okay, so you guys, all of you, and if you've had babies, whatever. Like, when that baby is there and you have the baby... What do you just want to do to it? You want to hug and stuff. But you begin to speak to it, right? Right from the very beginning. Well, newsflash. Those babies don't speak English. No hablo inglés. And they don't speak Spanish and they don't speak anything. But still, your words pour forth over them, right? How many people have sung to a, like a little tiny baby who doesn't speak English or Spanish or Japanese or right? You just can't help it because part of, we just, we, our word, they pour forth. We love to speak and engage with this little tiny creation. That is a glimpse, a tiny little glimpse of the way God speaks and sings over us. So the two ways, the two major categories that theologians describe, the first one is what they call natural revelation or general revelation. And that's just that God reveals himself through what he's made. The very existence of stuff speaks of God. We'll break that down in a minute. And the other category is what they call special revelation. That God has made special, unique, miraculous efforts to speak his voice to you and to me. We see that in, in the Old Testament, the dreams and visions and these epiphanies of God. We have special miraculous revelation in his word, God's Bible, his scriptures to us are special revelation. They're letters written to us, unique in their form, specific in their genre, but they are God's voice to us. He speaks to us through his son, Jesus, the living word. And even now he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit, the, person, the presence and the power of God amongst us today. God is continually speaking to you. Well, that doesn't maybe explain why you feel you've never heard, but it certainly does explain why and who God is, that he speaks. Let's just talk about the natural revelation part a minute, that God speaks through creation. Right? How many, you love the Christmas song, Let Heaven and Nature Sing, right? How does the verse go? I wrote it down. Yeah, let heaven and nature sing. What does that mean? Right? It's a Christmas song. Well, it means all of heaven is singing at the birth of Christ. The angels are singing and proclaiming. And even nature itself. The birds. The leaves. The beautiful colors of fall and the dangerous snowfall of winter all speak of God. I, I look at the microscopic wonder of the human body, right? Or the, the cosmic just immensity of our universe. All these things speak of a creator and describe to us his character and his qualities. I often fascinate the human hand, that our hands work like they do. And all the systems and the, the specifics that go through to making our bodies function. I mean, the miracle of the shook hand. Jim, shake my hand. This is a, this is a wonder of God. Not only that you and I would be friends, which is a beautiful miracle in itself, but that our hands function in such a way that we as two human beings connect. And we can share friendship and love together. Isn't that great? That's, that's God, guys. I mean, the Bible talks about rain falling on the wicked and the righteous because it's God's revelation and God's provision of grace 
Nature sings. Jesus talked about it when his disciples were criticized for proclaiming and dancing that Jesus is king, singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, everybody was celebrating. And the Pharisees were like, Jesus, tell them to be quiet. What they're saying isn't right. They shouldn't be calling you king. Oh, but they didn't know because Jesus is the king and the king of all kings. And Jesus' response to them was, listen, if I tell them to be quiet, even the what? The rocks will cry out. Because all of creation sings a song and cries out, proclaiming the wonders and the personhood and the qualities of God. Think about it. I love how Psalm 19 says this, verse 1 through 4. It declares that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all of the earth. Their words to the very ends of the earth. The psalmist is proclaiming and worshiping God. He's saying, look, even all of the heavens, and these mean the stars and the things above us, the skies pour forth speech. And everywhere and everyone sees them and must listen and acknowledge the greatness of God. It's a powerful and profound thing. Even in the book of Romans, where Paul begins to make the case. And he makes the case to the, to the non-Jew and then to the Jew. And he just lays it out there that we are all sinners in need of redemption. It doesn't matter if you are some other person. You never, you're a humanist and you thought you were good enough. People are just good in their own right. Or if you were a religious Jew and you thought, well, you know what? I've got the law. I've got these other things. No, 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 no. Paul says, listen to me, right? All have sinned and fall short. And what is, how does he build this case? We see it in Romans 1, no, excuse me, Romans 1.18. It says this, that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Well, you ask, well, how has God made it plain to them? Verse 20, for since the creation of the word, world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Paul is making this case, both to Jew and non-Jew, to say, look, the creation of the world itself leaves you without excuse. That you are accountable to God for your life. And I think of the wonder of this, that creation speaks of God, that creation pours forth speech. And then we look at Genesis 1, where God is creating the world, right? And how does God cause all of this that we know and that we, we experience, the world, from nothing, he creates something. And how does he create it? With what? What is God's tool to create? His voice. He speaks. Let there be light. <clears throat> Lights on. Let there be land. Let there be seas. Let there be fish. Let there be tarantulas. God speaks creation into being. That is why creation itself continues to echo his voice. Just like humanity made in the image of God, and whether we acknowledge our creator and acknowledge our sustainer and acknowledge our savior or not, we still bear the image of God. That's why it's wrong to harm a Christian who bears the image of God and who is acknowledging God, and it's wrong to hurt a non-Christian who still and yet bears the image of God. Each are worthy of dignity and respect because they bear the image of their creator. 
doesn't matter how they act. Just because they bear the image. Just because you bear the image. It makes you profoundly reflective of your king. The only question then for us who bear his image is whether or not we will rise to the occasion to live in the image in which we bear. And that can only be done through the Jesus Christ who died for our sins and caused us to be reborn, remade into the likeness of God. And so all of heaven and nature sing. The creation in which we exist pours forth speech of God's love and God's power and God's sovereignty and God's mercy. He has always spoken. Even if God were to want to be quiet, he couldn't because his creation is proclaiming. But thanks be to God that he has not left his revelation, his voice, only from that which was made, natural or general revelation. He also speaks to us through special revelation, through the miraculous revelation of his word, of his spirit. His voice is alive. Let me just talk about this for a minute. What was so remarkable about these things is that in the ancient Near East, when we read these stories of Moses and the burning bush where God speaks, where Moses leads his people out and they they go to the mountain, right? Mount Sinai, where, where God the creator and now the deliverer of God's people is going to enter into a loving covenant, an unbreakable agreement with his people. And the anthem was simply this. God would say, I will be your God and you will be my people. You have to love the invitation because it wasn't forced upon them. But in Exodus 19, Moses went up to God and the Lord called him to the mountain. He said, here's what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob. And what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt. And how I carried you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my commandments. Then out of all the nations of the world. You will be my what? Treasured possession. Though the whole earth is mine. You will be for me a kingdom of priests. A holy nation. These are the what? The words. You are to speak to them. God invites the people to himself. And how does he do it? He uses his words. Right? It's like the little kid who just starts to cry. And the little parent gets down there and says, stop crying. Use your words. Speak to me. Use your words. God has no trouble using his words. And then he lays out this Incredible mandate, commissioning, commandments of who God's people were to be. They're to be what? People who have no other gods before him. Those who make no graven image, no substitute, no lesser image, but him only. Right? People that don't use his name in vain. You know the commandments, right? Those who keep the Sabbath holy, who keep space in their life for the priority of communion with God. Growing up, keeping the Sabbath was a rule that restricted my motorcycle riding and football playing. But it's never meant to be a restriction, per se. It's meant to be something that as our identity that we keep space in our life for God. The pause, the quiet. Keep the Sabbath holy. And then went on, right? Honor your father and mother. Don't kill people. Don't sleep around. Don't steal. Don't lie about your neighbor, and don't wish you had all of his stuff. What was remarkable about this was, in the ancient Near East, no one, everyone had gods. And all the gods were like the gods of Egypt, the gods of the Amorites, the gods of these people, and the gods of these people. And then here comes Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews. 
But the amazing thing was nobody actually knew what the gods wanted. And so people would live in this terrified fear that they would do something to anger the gods or to offend the gods, and the gods would extract revenge upon them. That's why with Job, when, when things started going bad in Job's life, right, what did all of his buddies do? Job, you must have done something wrong. Job's like, I've done nothing wrong. I maintain my innocence. I'm righteous before God. And they're like, no, you must have done something wrong, Job. You had to have, because if you wouldn't have done something wrong, all this stuff would not be happening to you. People had no clue what God wanted. And so they lived in this anxious fear of stumbling into error and somehow God wrecking their lives. But when God invites his people into covenant and he begins to draw them to himself and he lays out his commandments, the nations marveled. They would say this, there is no God like Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, who makes his ways known to them. Listen to me. This book, the book of the law, you have like these long psalms delighting in the precepts, delighting in the laws of God, delighting in all of this. Why would a people just have so much joy of God's restrictions and commands to them? It's because nobody knew God's voice. Nobody knew what God wanted. And as a people living in fear of being somehow condemned by a God they could not predict, suddenly God reveals by his voice, his word to his people, an invitation to come and be a part of his story. That God's voice to us is love and affection and acceptance and treasuring you. That he speaks to you at all is God treasuring you above all things. You'll never get the silent treatment from God. He won't cut you out and say, good luck, you're on your own. His voice from age to age to age pours forth over your life. And when it came to the Hebrews and he spoke to them, it was like, a pathway forward into blessing and prosperity. And they loved his word. They say, I will eat your word, for it is life to me. That's in the Bible. You read that during your devotions, like, that's weird. Why would you eat God's word? It's because God's voice, because all it, it just became a revelation to them. And even though it was hard, and even though it was challenging, and even though when they failed, they they, they recognized their own guilt and their sin. Still, God's voice was life to them. Why is the Bible such a precious book? Number one bestseller every year since papyrus. Because this is God's voice to us. It's life to us. I can say this all I want, but I think you'll understand it better if I invite my dad up here just to give a short testimony, or as long a testimony as he wants for that matter, um, just how God's word is placed in his life. Welcome him. Thank you, David. Good word. God's voice speaks. Does it not? Speaks to us. God speaks through creation. He speaks through his word. <clears throat> and some of us have a testimony of God's word in our life. And I would like to share my testimony this morning about God's word in my life. And I hope it's not too long, but I just want to say it as clearly as I can. Because I am very grateful for the Christ that is revealed in God's word and has changed my life. God said, <clears throat> uh, Paul writes in uh, Thessalonians, that from the beginning God chose us to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and belief in the truth. The truth is God's word. The Spirit and the word. He did this through his gospel that we might share the gospel that Christ died for us, was raised to life, that we might share in his glory. So it's really an incredible story that God's word speaks to us, that Christ died for us, that he saved us, that we might one day see him face to face and share in his glory. And so that's what we're all grateful for today. That's what the Word of God is all about. God speaks. 
I just want to back up a little bit. In 1980, uh, I uh, had just gone through a difficult time in my life. I went through a divorce, and there was a lot of brokenness in my life. And some of us have been there and understand that. I was, uh, I would say I was quite depressed, didn't know a way forward. I had a family. My kids were this big like that. I had three boys. And uh, it, it pretty much shattered all of us. And we didn't know. I, I didn't know as a father I was broken over it all because I felt responsible for it. <clears throat> but I didn't know how to go forward and fix it. I knew that I needed God, but I wasn't sure how to go about that. <clears throat> One day in 1980, that's almost 50 years ago. It's a long time ago. 40 years ago, 1980. Um, a man I knew of but didn't know knocked on my door on Sunday morning and said, I come to invite you to church. Kind of an unusual thing to do. I told him I was fine. I thanked him, and he went away. The next week, he came again unannounced. He said, I come to invite you to church. And I turned him away again, and he came a third time, and I, he, I said, um, he said, I come to invite, I didn't, know, I didn't even know the guy too good. I just knew who he was. And he said, I come to invite you to church. And um, I said, I was fine. But I realized at that point, God was talking to me, that I was supposed to follow him. So I said, the next week, I said, you come again next week, I'll go. And so I went to a church with him, and I took my kids with me. And it was a little church in South Holland that made it a gym. And it was called Living Word Fellowship Church. It was this church. It was back in South Holland. And I went to church with them. And I went to church. I had never seen anything quite like that. I went to a church where they had a church organ. And it was 1980, and that was pretty common. They had guitars. They had drums. And they worshipped. And they even raised their hands. And they fell on their face before the Lord in the front. They danced in the aisles for joy. They had a scripture for each other. It was full of joy. What can I say? They spoke in tongues sometimes. They laughed. They cried. They knew God. And I could not turn away from it. It was, a, it was really, it, I just walked in that place, and I realized that God had brought me to that place. And I didn't know where it went. I had no idea what it meant. I was a little afraid of it. I think my kids were a little afraid of it. We just weren't sure what that all meant. But we came, we knew that it was something that, I knew that it was something that God had brought us there. And so uh, we kept, we stayed. Um, they, sometime later, I realized, it wasn't long afterward, I realized that it was all based on one thing. <clears throat> the fact that God's word was the most important thing in their lives. They took to everything they said in God's word as literally true. And they believed it. They obeyed it. They studied it, they taught it, and they lived it. I used to say they lived life out of God's word. And it was their whole life. And uh, they had Bibles. The women had Bibles. They had the, the, I never seen like them. I, I don't think they do anymore. They had little covers on the Bibles, and they embroidered covers on the Bibles. You've seen that. And uh, it was so precious to them. That's why they did that. Their Bibles, you know. And the people underlined, they highlighted, they just, every, everything, you know, and their Bibles were falling apart because they used them. They always carried them to church. I've never seen people carry Bibles to church all the time. They always, wherever they went, God's word was the most important thing in their life. And they lived it and they obeyed it. And I looked at that whole thing and I didn't, I was, I was just drawn to it. And, I, and I, God gave me a, an impression of it all that I wasn't, I don't know what I thought somebody said or I, but I, I believe, it was, I believe God gave me this. This Holy Spirit gave it to me. They talked about Jesus like they knew him. They didn't just talk about him like about him, uh, things about him, but they talked about him like they knew him, you know, and like he was, he was a friend. They called him, they didn't always call him Christ. They called him Jesus because he was their friend and their savior, you know. There's Jesus Christ, the Christ too. But they had this relationship when they called, talked about Jesus. And I was so impressed with that. But that whole thing about knowing him, and it was something in my heart that I needed desperately. I needed to know him. I needed a way forward. I needed Christ in my heart in that kind of way that they knew him because they had a joy and a strength in their life that enabled them 
to find him and to, to move him forward. That church was pastored by Chuck Pels and Vi Pels back in 1980 for about 10 years after that when I got there. Um, as I lived, started to live my life in that group, <clears throat> uh, some men in that church became mentors of mine. I gotta speed this up a little bit. We do all right. Yeah, became mentors of mine, and um, one of them was the guy that knocked on my door. His name was Herman, and um, <clears throat> he took God's word so seriously that every he'd have a scripture in his head, he'd have a scripture in his pocket, <clears throat> he'd have a scripture written on his hand. And everyone, he had scriptures on his truck, his work truck. He had scriptures on in his barn. He was a farmer. He had, for the wages of sin of death, but the gift of God is eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. Everywhere he went was God's word in his life. And he was very eccentric. He talked about Jesus to everybody he knew, everybody he met. Nobody passed him without he talking about Jesus. He would cry wanting to know Jesus more. It was just, he was just... Some people thought he was a little different. I think that Christ's love so compelled him that he could do no other. That's who he was. And so he was my dear friend. And for up to a couple years ago, when he went to be with the Lord. And another friend of mine was Ev McGuire. That was my friend for 40, 35 years. I'm using this to show God's word. These, Ev read through the Bible how many times? 40 times. I'm not exaggerating. Forty times in his life, he read through the whole scriptures. He not only read through it, he studied it, he memorized it, he lived it. His life reflected who he was, reflected Christ of the scriptures. He was an incredible guy. He was a tremendous example and a mentor to me. <clears throat> Another mentor I had at the time was a fellow by the name of Herman or uh, Harlan Swift. He became my small group leader, and he. Um, he studied God's word. He loved God's word. He became a dear friend. Um, I, I, he prayed for people. He prayed for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, one time, he was my mentor. He was my go-to guy for a lot of years, and he still is. We're still friends. He's still living. He's 87 years old. And <clears throat> um, one day, he come to me, and he said, I was doing pretty good, but I was, I was, you know, I was in the word, but I wasn't in the word, and I wasn't consistent. One time he came to me and he said to me, he says, Bill, you've got sin in your life and you don't think very good. That's tough love. It was pretty hard. You've got sin in your life and you don't think very good. He says, you need to take God's word seriously in your life and you need to memorize it to change you. And it was like a pivot point for me. It, it pivoted my life. It just kind of framed what was going on at Living Word Church and what God was doing in my life. It framed it because I needed it, and he said it that way, and it, it stuck. And I took it, and I never forgot it because I'm talking about it this morning. you got sin in your life, and uh, you're not thinking clear, and God wants you to take his word seriously in your life, and he wants to memorize it. God's word, the Christ of God's word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, into hearts that the Spirit opens up, Changes us, changes everything. God's word says we're God's word says we're born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. In God's words, we sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We are born again. We are sanctified. We are matured. We become Christ-like by the word of God. Why? Because Scripture says that. Jesus himself said, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have given you are spirit, and they are life. They are spirit, and they are life. <clears throat> Why are they life? When John the Baptist saw Jesus in his, early in his ministry, he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He was a sacrifice. The Old Testament sacrifice. The completion of the law. He took away our sin. And when and John the Baptist saw him, he, he said, he, he's the Lamb that takes away our sin. And that's the life, the light that we see in the scriptures that Jesus, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one's good to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. Anyone has seen me has seen the Father.
that life, I and my myself, I, need, I desperately needed that in my life. So I could see where I had been brought. God had brought me that far. And he had, uh, he had showed me that when we've got God's word on one side, with the gospel, with the life of Christ on one side, and we've got ourselves on the other side, and we've got the spirit of God that opens it up in our life, God brings his life into our life. So God's word is a starting point because we're born again in it. So I started to take God's word very seriously in my life. I bought a, a big fancy Bible like this, large print, giant print, and I was like the early people that came to the living word. And I underlined it and then I highlighted it and I read it. And my Bible started falling apart. And then I'd get a new Bible because that one fell apart. And I'd read and read and read. But I wasn't as consistent. Over time, I wasn't as consistent as I needed to be. I'd go in spurts. I'd be traveling on the road with business or something like that. And I'd, I'd kind of let it go. And then you'd get busy and life gets busy and families get busy. And you kind of let it go. So the Lord showed me that you needed to be more consistent with that. <clears throat> and so I don't know where it came from, whether someone said it or uh, I, I, the Lord gave me this too. First, he said that you, uh, you need to know Jesus above all. He says but you also need a time and a place to meet with God every day. <clears throat> a time and a place to meet with God every day. So I started that, a time and a place to meet with God. I'd get up early in the morning. My first time and a place to meet with God was in the basement. And it was cold down there in the morning. And I put a card table up. And I opened a folding chair. And I put a lamp on there and a Bible. And I'd walk and I'd pray. And I'd pray scripture. And I'd read it. And I'd read it. And um, God's word became so precious to me. I don't know how else to say that. It became a treasure. And I'd be reading through it. And certain things would come out to me, and they'd be so good. I just don't want to read it and pass over it. I want to take it and make it a part of me. That's what, you know, it just, it just kind of evolved like that. <clears throat> and um, pause. God said, make it a part of me. So I started to memorize Scripture, and... Um, when I started to memorize scripture, I started to see Christ in a deeper way. I started to talk about him like I knew him. Things started to really start to change. I was reading and I was memorizing. I'd, come, I'd keep reading through the Bible, but then I'd take scripture and I'd, it'd be so good. It'd be so sweet. It would touch my heart so deeply. that I, I, I had to write it down, so I started writing it down and I'd put it in little books and stuff like that. And I started memorizing. And when I started memorizing, that was 30 years ago. When I started memorizing, I changed. Things, God changed me. I, things started to happen. People would say to me, you know, I'm not the same guy anymore. God has done a new work in your life. And it was just the most powerful thing that I could ever say that happened to me. And I think, and I had a lot of things in my life that weren't quite right yet. And, and I had some sin in my life, and I didn't think right yet, like Harlan said bless them. And, but when I started to memorize scripture, God started to change me. And I started to memorize and I, I would memorize. It was hard to memorize. I said, I, can't, I don't think I can memorize. I, had a, I had a, couldn't think right. I, it was true. But I would take a couple verses and pretty soon that would become so sweet to me. And then I'd take a little more and pretty soon I'd take a chapter. I started in Romans. I memorized first part of Romans 8. And then after a while, I said, well, that's kind of silly. I ought to memorize the whole chapter. So then I memorized the whole chapter. And then that was life in the spirit. And God's never, God will never leave us or forsake us. And then I thought, well, then you ought to realize, memorize the rest of Romans because that's the heart of it. So then I, I do part of three, part of four, all of five, six, seven. And it just kind of grew like that, you know what I'm saying? I didn't even know it was happening. But I was, I was having fun. It was just something, I mean, with all my heart. It became my joy, as uh, David, as Scripture, David and Jeremiah. Yours came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, and God changed me by that. And through the years, I never talked about it much, but through the years, I've been doing it for thirty years. Through the years, um, I've memorized chapters, sections of the Bible, books of the Bible. 
I wanted to know about Jesus. I wanted to talk about him like I knew him. So I memorized Roman, the Gospel of John and stuff like that. And it just kind of happened. And, and so I just say that not to say that, um, to brag about that, but I say that what God was doing in my life and that if he could do it in my life, he can do it in all of our lives. And so it became my joy, my heart's delight. It still is. And I, in my own quiet way, in my own place, in my own back of my mind, my identity at this point, I'm not fancy. I don't, I'm not a preacher or anything like that. But my identity is that I have learned to love God's word, and I found Jesus in that. And he is my joy and my heart's delight. And so I am so grateful. That, and that's a work that, <clears throat> work that God has done in my life. Work that God has, and I see it, I say that, you know, last week Andy preached about uh, moving forward and pursuing God upward. And on Wednesday night we had a prayer meeting here, and David anointed us all to, um, to increase in worship and outreach and build community here, that God wants to move this church forward. And to move this church forward, we need to know who Christ is. That's where we need to start, and that's what David is doing a series about, that God's word reveals the life of Christ and who he is in his life and our life. And so we want to uh, step forward to that. So I want to encourage people. You know, uh, one quick thing. God, Jesus said that um, I could go on a long time about this. I told you it's the joy of my heart's delight. Um, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things were given to you as well. As that started to happen in my life, as God started to change me, I got my wife of Joyce of 31 years. I got the best woman in the church. I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't have figured that out, believe me. My kids all serve in churches all over. Our grandkids are all going, all, they're all going to Japan. Some of them are going to Japan. Abby just went to Africa. God has really blessed me. Thank you. amazing to me because if you were his son, you would know the differences, right? And um, <clears throat> I loved how he ended that story because my dad went from a place of just real brokenness and God slowly restored his life back to him, right? This was a process. This wasn't easy. This was every morning getting up at whatever time he got up spent an hour pacing the floor, memorizing the scriptures, writing them down. And we used to always make fun of him as he just walk and pace and mutter, you know, because dad's walking and muttering again. <clears throat> but we're the beneficiaries of the power of God in restoring not only a man but a family, right? And so it's God's voice to us. When, when we talk about, it's, it's, I love my next, <laughs> my follow-up scripture was, was that uh, since in the wisdom of, in God's wisdom, he saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. And I, I love that because even the task of preaching, the Bible even acknowledges it's foolishness, except that God's word affects you. And I'd say on one hand, if you've never memorized verses or chapters or books, even sitting, a lifetime of sitting and listening to God's word being preached faithfully, right? Faithfully preached. It forms something in you. The church is not about just the individual pieces, although we notice those, and they affect us. Either we like it or we don't. But the sum total of being in a church or a community that's formed and shaped by God's voice has a net effect on us. 
And so how we do that personally to memorize God's word, how we corporately honor God's word, how we preach God's word, this forms in us something right and good. And it helps us to know this Jesus. I'm going to wrap things up, but I'm going to finish with this scripture. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, it says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir over all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had made provision and purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father in majesty in heaven. God is speaking. He's spoken from the beginning. His words created. His creation continues to speak. He has miraculously revealed himself in his word, which is accessible to you. You all have Bibles. This morning is God's invitation for you to hear his voice again. He's not stopped speaking. But maybe you've not stopped and listened. It doesn't matter where you are. Just starting off, been around forever. Find a time and a place. I say, Lord, I need to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice today. I need to know Jesus today. Lord, I want to not talk about you. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want people, when they talk to me, I want them to say, that guy, that girl, they talk about Jesus like they know him. Many people think because you hear my voice, you know me. It's a da- dangerous thing, well, kind of, because I just, you kind of do. This morning I told the story of me dragging my tree up and down the street a couple times. You know a lot of things about me. Great. You should watch the Dick Van Dyke show. You think you know Dick Van Dyke. But listen, when you actually sit and talk with me, or Dick Van Dyke, or the Lord, it's a whole new moment of revelation. You may not find that you like everything about me, so maybe this is the right amount of space. But when you sit with the Lord, he will take you new and wonderful places. Amen? Stand with me. I'm going to pray. Just close us off and dismiss. But as we begin to pray, I'm going to pause with my words, and I'm just going to give you a few. I'll give you 60 seconds. It'll feel like 10 minutes. But I invite you to make a fresh commitment today in God's word. Maybe you're a young person, and you need to say, you know what? I need to, I need to get serious. I need to take this serious in my life. Maybe you're someone who's, you're older and you've never had that. You've always looked at that and said, that's for other people. It's for you today. So let's bow our heads and I invite you just to talk to the Lord. Ask him to help you. Maybe make a fresh commitment. Say, God, I'm going to be in your word. I'm going to memorize your word. Go ahead.
Lord, we've spent too much time dealing in human wisdom. God, we want more of your wisdom. Lord, we've been spending too much time valuing the attention and the presence of people. Lord, this morning, we make space, we make it our priority for your attention. Lord, for your voice in our lives. Holy Spirit, you know that we are just weak and completely incapable of doing this on our own. Quicken our hearts. Create a hunger, a longing for the voice of God in our lives. Lord, drive us to your word. Lord, we receive even the challenges of our life, the the mountains and the the walls that need kicked down and the, the, the darkness that needs to be shattered by your light. All of the things in our life that we think are obstacles, Lord, use them to drive us to yourself, to draw us. Lord, for those just just aren't good at reading, they don't like reading, they've always had comprehension issues, God, I pray for a miraculous connection in their mind and in their hearts with your word. Confess that in my own life, Lord. We need you, Lord, to make it more than a human endeavor. That, God, it would be sweet and life-giving. Thank you, O God, for your voice. Continue speaking over us. I pray your blessing upon Living Word Church. Back from 1980, Lord, all the way up to 2019. You have been faithful, O God. And we love you. And I bless you. In Jesus' name, together we said it. Amen. Thank you, Dad. All right, go be blessed. Have a great week. Shovel someone's sidewalk and tell them Jesus loves them.